Praise God. Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go straight to prayer? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, again, we thank you so much, O oh Lord God, for this time that we have with you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And uh, we just simply pray, O oh Lord God, we pray that you will be here with us. Holy Spirit will be here with us. Lord Jesus will be here with us to minister to us through your word today, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father God, I pray that as these words go out, O oh Lord God, that you shall speak to the hearts and the spirits and the minds of every single listener that would be out there today, O oh Lord God. Let your words, O oh Lord God, go forth and set the captives free, O oh Lord. Let them come to know you through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I praise you, Heavenly Father. I give this time and this space entirely over to you, O oh Lord God. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. Amen. Amen. Again, <clears throat> welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. I'm glad you could join us here today. Uh, I'll start right off out the bat out of the box here. You know, if you don't have your Bible, why don't you go grab it, <clears throat> get a pencil or a marker or something like that, and take down some notes as Holy Spirit so guides so you can refer back, you know, to those notes later on uh, when you need them the most. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I start by saying, how many of us know people that are, um, would try to bring us down? Okay. How many of us know people that uh, our own best interests are not their best interests? You know, um, how many of us know people that would just try to see you fail or hope that you would fail at everything that you try you try to do in life? You know, uh, I, I certainly have known people like that. I know people like that. And I'm sure you do also. And we all know someone that falls into that category. But what we should do is we should try our best to steer ourselves free of people that are like that. They don't have our best interests at heart, you know, so we don't need to be around them. Uh, we can pray for them, of course, and we should always pray for people, you know, even people that are giving us a hard time or that we feel some, you know, that, that there's some animosity that exists on their part or whatever. Uh, we should pray for them too, but that does not mean that we have to involve them in our day-to-day -day lives, okay? Because these people will try to drag you down. They'll try to drag you down just the way the devil tries to dry, tries to drag us down to the very pit okay the devil tries to drag us down to the pit and so do these people the devil tries to to drag us down by making us uh you know filling us with with, with feelings of fear remorse uh, lack of faith uh, guilt and doubt that's what the devil likes to do he wants to just drag us down he doesn't want us to be to be up and, and happy and joyful full of joy because we have jesus christ as lord and savior the devil will try to bring us down and, and the devil will use people to, to bring us down, okay? So we need to be very, very careful of that. And we're going to talk a little bit about the devil here a bit. And this is not, he's not the main thrust of the sermon, but you have to believe that, you know, if you believe in God, then you have to believe that the devil exists. Amen? Amen. God the Father spoke of the devil in Scripture many times. Jesus spoke of the devil in Scripture many times, okay? So if you believe in God, you have to believe that he exists. And if you believe that he exists, then you also have to know that he plays a very, or tries to play a very active role in the lives of us Christians, especially us Christians, you know? So I want to continue just for a little bit here to talk about him for a minute. Uh, and of course, he started out as Luke. Lucifer. Lucifer was his original name when he was in heaven there. And Lucifer means in the original Hebrew, it means the shining one or the light bearer. 
and that was his name when he was in heaven before the fall. After he was cast down, he is known as Satan, and he is known as the accuser of the brethren in accordance with Revelation 12.10. If you read Revelation 12.10, you'll see there where he is referred to as the accuser of the brethren. According to scripture, Satan goes about and he accuses us of our sins before God. Satan does not want us uh, to receive the, the blessings and the grace from God, and he does not want God to give us his grace, and he does not want us to excel or succeed in any way uh, by worshiping God. Amen. Jesus says of Satan, and I quote, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's in John 8, uh, verse number 44. We need to be wise to Satan's tactics so he will not, uh, you, you know, lead us in, into, into deception and to, and to accept the accusations that he throws out. Okay. He wants to shame us and he wants us to, to, to us to carry shame. You know, he wants us to bear shame and worry and to think that we are less than what God tells us to be. You have to remember that Satan is our adversary. Make no mistake about it. Again, this message is not all about Satan, but we need to start out realizing what role he plays in our lives. He is real. He exists and he's after you and he wants to bring you down. He will use other people to bring you down. He will use other people to make you worry and to fret and not feel like you're worthy. He will do whatever it is that he can do, you know, to make you feel um, uh, to feel less than who God says that you are. Amen. Amen. So we have to be wary. And let's go to our, uh, go to the word of God as usual. And we start by going to 1 Peter 5, verse number 8. 1 Peter 5, verse number 8. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. 1 Peter 5, verse number 8. Amen. Okay. And he says, the word of God says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the who? Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Okay? And the devil roars because that's his way of intimidating you. He wants to attempt to intimidate you by, by roaring in your life, by, by, by threatening you, by making you feel nervous about something, by trying to bring fear into your life. He walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You know, the same things that you may be going through is experienced by other people in the world also. Okay. So that's one thing, you, you know, the, the, the devil tries to make us feel like we are so alone. You know, we've got something really, really troubling going on, going on in our lives. The devil tries to make us feel all alone. Okay. First of all, God is with you. But the word of God says also that knowing that the same afflictions, the same things that you may be experienced are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, we have suffered a little while after we've gone through issues for a while. Make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you and settle you to him. Be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 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 Jesus said that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And he came, I came to that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Okay. So two things that we have to be aware of the fact that we have to be vigilant. That means to be watchful, knowing that the devil is your adversary. And when you have troubling times, he will try to capitalize on those troubling times to just tear you down and to bring you down, to bring you to a point where you just feel like you are totally lost. Satan has a strategy. Again, make no doubt about it. Okay. You have no doubt about it. Satan has a strategy. 
He wants to deceive you, lie to you, tell you you're not worthy, tell you that you're dumb, tell you that you'll never succeed. He tells you he tells you lies. He tells you to lie also, by the way, and to cheat and to steal. He tells you to carry anger, unforgiveness and hatred. He wants to drag you down to the pit. He wants to drag you down to the pit. He does not want you to excel. Amen. Amen. Satan knows where he where he where he's heading. Okay, it's just that on the way there, on the way there to the pit, he wants to bring down all of mankind. He wants to reverse everything that God has ever proclaimed, that everything that God has done uh, through His lies and everything. You see what's going on around us today. Look, where where so many things that we know is truth, the devil is making out to be a lie, and so many things that are lies, the devil is trying to make it out to be truth. Amen. So he wants to bring us down. He wants to drag you right down to the pit with him, where he's going. Satan uses discouragement to drag us down. Okay, that's one of his key weapons. He uses discouragement to bring us down. And as usual, let's look at the word of God and see some examples there where, where people, people of God were, you know, uh, uh, being discouraged. And we start off by going to 1 Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 17, 1, praise the living God, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to start with uh, verse number, let me see. Let me go to 17 here. Okay, verse number 7. Now, chapter 1, 1 Samuel, chapter 17. For those of you who know the word, I've been here before. This is about David and Goliath. But I'm not going to go through the whole, the whole story there. All of the events, I want to zero in on a couple of points here and show you how discouragement played in here to David. <clears throat> Amen. So we're going to start with verse number 17. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an epath of this parts corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look unto and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Okay. So in other words, words um, you know they were already on the battlefield, and Goliath was out there doing his thing. Goliath was out there threatening Israel, you know, and everything like that. And the men, the army was very, very afraid. And Jesse, the father said, take this, take this food to your brothers who are there, who are there at the battle site, who are already there. Okay. Then it verse 19, verse 19. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. He greeted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from them and were so afraid. Okay, so when they saw Goliath, again, the army, Israeli army, they, they fled, they ran. Verse 25, and the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? 
and taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, David wasn't afraid. Obviously, David was angry. He said, who is this Philistine? He's got some nerve threatening us. We are people. We are the people of God. This is the army of God. How dare he come out here and start threatening us? Verse 27 says, and the people answered him after this manner, saying, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down here? Okay, why why do you come here, in other words? With whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? So he's reminding David that you're a shepherd. You're merely a shepherd boy. Why did you come down here? I know thy pride and the haughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou might see the battle. And David said, What have I done? Is there not a cause? So that's what they're saying. Why are you talking to me like this? I mean, you know, what, what, what did I do? He came here to bring, to bring some food. He's following his father's wishes and so forth. He's trying to do the right thing. And what happens? Here they are. Here they are. You know, basically they're discouraging him. You're nothing but a, sh- a shepherd boy. Okay. David says, what have I done? Is there not a cause? Uh, 30. And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. So he talked to someone else and the same thing. They talked down to, they talk, how, why are you even here? You know, you, you, you do nothing but 10 sheep. You know, why are you even here? Okay. And, uh, um, verse 31. And when the words were heard, which David spoke, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. In other words, they told Saul what David had been saying. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. So here David is not worried at all. The whole army, the, the Israeli army there, they were running every time Goliath came out, you know, threatening them. But David said, don't worry. You know, he said, said that, that I'll, go, I'll go and fight him. All right. 33. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. Okay. There you go again. Discouragement. Discouragement. David is trying to do the right thing. He believes in God. He's supportive of God. But yet still, the king is shooting him down. Discouragement. This is the same thing that happens to us as Christians in our lives. Many times we are trying to do the right thing. We know that that God would be supporting us in this right thing. But there will be someone that is around you that is telling you you're not worthy. You can't do this. You don't have enough education. You don't have enough training. You don't have the background. You don't have the smarts. You're too short. You're too too tall. You're too this. You're too that or whatever. But whatever it is, they will try to tear you down to discourage you. You see? So we see that happen to David. Of course, as we know the rest of the story, David went on there and, and he, t- he told Saul, he, he said, he said, don't worry. He says, I can, I, I can, I can do it. Okay. Basically. And if you go to 36, I wasn't going to go here, but if you go to verse 36, uh, he's telling Saul, thy servants slew, uh, David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. Verse 35. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he, he has defiled the armies of the living God. You see, he wants to support God. He knows, he knows that God will support him. Okay, he's trying to do the right thing. Verse 37, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, bear 
he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. Okay. So he's telling that based on my past experience with God, the same way God delivered me out of those other situations with the lion and the bear, God will deliver me out of this. This is what you must believe about yourself. Okay. Don't let others discourage you and tear you down to try to prevent you from doing something that you know God that God wants you to do, that you know that God has intended you to do. You've been blessed by God to do certain things. And, and when you feel and you know in your spirit that you're on a mission for the Lord, this is something that you need to do. You go on and do it. And don't listen to the claptrap and the nonsense discouragement from those that are around you. Do not do that. And when he says there, the lion and the bear, you know, God delivered me. Remember how God delivered you from other difficult challenges in your life also. God has brought you through. So if you're here listening to this message, I know for a fact that at some point in your life there, God, at least one time, at least one time, God delivered you and brought you through some circumstances that were very, very trying. And you did not know how you were going to do it. But God gave you the strength, gave you the will, gave you the know-how to navigate through whatever that situation is. Okay, was. All right. So the same way, don't let people discourage you and tell you that you do not have the wherewithal to do whatever it is that God is telling you to do. Okay. All right. Again, we look at another example here. If we go to Numbers 13, verse uh, 30, verse, I'm sorry, Numbers 13, verse 26. Numbers 13, verse number 26. Okay. You see, now this, this is when they're in the wilderness here and uh, um, Moses had told God to send, to send out some people to look at the land of Canaan, to spy out the land of Canaan, which was the promised land. So God told Moses to send some people out in advance to look it out, check it out. Verse 26 says, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them, unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Okay. So they went and they spied it out and they brought some fruit back. It was grapes. Okay. Fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sent us and surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, verse 28, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, the, Am the, the uh, Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we. Okay. Now, now Joshua, I mean, Caleb is ready to go. God told Moses, go and spy the land. And don't forget, Canaan is the promised land. God said, this is what I'm going to give to you. So if God says he's given you something, it's a done deal. If God says you have that promotion, it's a done deal. If God said that you're going to move and you're going to buy a house in this new area, it's a done deal. Amen. Amen. So don't be discouraged. Okay. So right away, they start going up there talking about all the people that are there and they are giants and they are stronger than we. All right. They, they, they are feeling, they are falling, they are falling prey to the, to the devil's plan to make them feel weak, to discourage them from not doing what God wants them to do. The devil has gotten into their minds and having them even disbelieve that God said, this is the promised land. This is the land that I, the Lord thy God, have given you. They, they are doubting that because they're saying that they are stronger than we. All right. So the devil got in their mind and he's dragging them right down to the pit by confessing the fact that those people are stronger. 
It goes into to say in verse number 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And of all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight, underline, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight, underline that too. Okay. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Okay. Now they, they've been so deceived. The enemy is the devil has gotten into their minds, making them feel like they are inferior, that they are as so weak. They're like grasshoppers. This is how they saw themselves. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And then they believe that. So we were in their sight. You don't know how they saw you. Okay. That's what I say to these men. You don't know how they saw. This is how you are viewing yourself. Okay, so don't get a negative view of yourself based on the devil trying to tear you down and discourage you. Don't get a negative view of yourself based on what the devil has sent, uh, based on, 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 on who the devil has sent to try and discourage you. Don't go start thinking a negative lessening uh, value, lessening the value of yourself in your own eyes and start thinking that other people are viewing you the same way. Okay, that could be further, the furthest thing from, from the truth. Just because you are viewing yourself as a grasshopper does not mean that others that are around you are viewing you as a grasshopper. Okay. So once the devil plants that thought in your mind, then you start feeling inferior. You build with what you've, you've heard the expression, an inferiority complex, you know, that, that you are not enough, that you can't, you can't, you can't. You start thinking this and you start thinking that other people view you the same way. That is a lie that is spawned in the pit of hell. That same pit that the devil wants to drag you down into. Don't let him do it. You see, you see, you see, you see, you see he uses discouragement to stop you from carrying out God's will. In this case here, God said, this is the land that I promised to your fathers. So that means it was their land. God simply wanted them to go and check it out. Okay. God has given you a mission. God has given you a dream. In God's mind, it's going to come to pass. So don't you start moving forward and let someone come up to you and tell you, no, this is not where you should be. And you won't be able to do that. You know, again, you don't have the education. You don't have the training. You know, you haven't been doing this long enough, the experience or whatever it might be. All right, don't go. Don't let that sway you. Do not let the devil discourage you and bring you down to the pit. Satan can use people to drag us down with discouragement. So we need to be careful of the people that we associate with. Okay, if we go to uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, verse number 6, 2 Corinthians 6, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, sorry, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, we want to, we don't want to start way up at 6, go down to 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord or what agreement does Christ have with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. 
Okay? So verse 14, again, be you not unequally yoked with unbelievers. All right? Firstly, we cannot be just hanging around and, 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 and taking advice from unbelievers. Okay? Now, no, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you should just shy away from unbelievers altogether. Jesus certainly was with a lot of unbelievers, a lot of unbelievers. Okay. But what he did was he ministered to them. He ministered to them. He did not start doing what the unbelievers were doing. Okay. So this is what the Bible is saying. We cannot be unequally yoked together unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness. Because if you start hanging around with people and you start embracing what they're saying and believing what they're saying, then you become like them. You start, you start unbelieving and disbelieving the, 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 the foundation of truth that God has placed in you. Okay. So we have to be very careful whom, to whom we are, you know, are, are giving our allegiance, if you will, and who we're associating with. All right. Because otherwise, if you're not careful, you're not prayed up and Bible read up and so forth like that, you wind up, you know, their ways and their thoughts and their beliefs start rubbing right off on you. Okay, so we can't do that. And when that starts happening, then you start becoming discouraged because they will certainly not support you. They will not be supportive of what you are trying to do and to accomplish, especially where a godly mission is concerned. Okay, all right. You can be something as simple as you seeking a, prop- a promotion on the job and they'll start telling, oh, you're not qualified for that promotion. So why even bother? They will discourage you. Whereas maybe God has told you that I'm going to give you that position. You're going to move into that spot. But they will start tearing you down and start discouraging you, okay? So we don't need to be associated. Don't be going out to lunch with them all the time. If you're in school, don't be hanging around them all the time. You know, If you start feeling in your spirit that they're unbelievers or that they're trying to tear you down, yes, pray for them. By all means, pray for them, okay? Pray for them. But don't, be, don't let them become a part of your quote-unquote inner circle, so to speak, okay? And we've got to be able to defeat discouragement. You've got to be able to defeat it. Discouragement is a part of life. Discouragement comes most often when you do things right, but experience poor results. That's when it seems to hit us the most, is when we get discouraged. When you're trying to do something right and the outcome of that, what you're trying to do, is, is not, is not, uh, is, is, are not good. You know, they're not what you hoped they would turn out to be. That's when we wind up getting discouraged. You work hard, but then you don't make progress. How many times have we worked so hard to achieve something and you just seem to be like treading water and then you wind up getting discouraged because the devil is there just telling you in your mind, see, didn't I tell you, didn't I tell you, all right? You show up to practice every day, let's say, and you're giving it your all, but you lose every single game. The team just loses. You wind up getting discouraged. You spend time with your child, your child, and you're trying to raise that child to the best of your ability. You're trying to best instill, instill the word of God in that child, but then the child winds up rebelling. You wind up getting discouraged. Discouragement eats at us. It makes us want to quit saying things that we shouldn't say, and we sometimes we even become upset with God if we're not careful. Sometimes we can experience spiritual and professional anguish in our lives. We can walk in deep despair, even though we are trying our best to do God's will. This is quite common for us, us Christians. Okay, we can experience that deep emotional and spiritual uh, and professional anguish. Okay, we can walk in that despair, even though we're trying to our best to do God's will. We realize that, like many in the Bible, that even though we are being a faithful servant of God, we can become still uh, uh, discouraged, even though we're trying our best to be a faithful servant. Those in the Bible that fell to discouragement rose above their feelings, and they still fulfilled God's will for their lives. We, too, can rise above discouragement. And we're going to go through a few ways that we can do that. Okay, the first thing is to be honest with God. Tell God how you feel. 
God wants us to talk to him even when we are upset and frustrated. I've known people to be upset with God because something didn't work out the way that they thought it should have should have worked out. God wants us to be honest and tell the truth when we're praying with him. A lot of dishonesty goes on in relationships, even with God. Many times when we're praying with God, we're not really being honest with him. We're not telling God how we really, really feel. And he knows how you feel, but you're not voicing it to God. He wants you to be honest with him and tell him the truth. So talk to God. He wants you to pour out your heart to him. He wants you to express what is in your heart and what you are feeling. Jesus certainly poured out his heart to the Father in in the Garden of uh, Gethsemane. Remember when he said, oh, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, you know, let it pass from me. However, not my will, but your will. I mean, he was at that point of sorrow where he knew he was going to have to go to the cross. He knew that on that cross that God was going to forsake him. He was going to turn his back. Remember, he cried out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Okay, so he cried out to him. He let him know what his feelings were about. So hold back nothing when you pray. Tell the Lord exactly what's on your heart, especially the bad feelings. By pumping out your emotions to God, we wind up being freed, wind up being freed uh, uh, from those emotions. Therefore, they cannot take hold of us. And then we can enter into a more deep and loving relationship and embrace of God the Father. The truth is that God knows the very depths of our hearts, our thoughts, our motives, our emotions, even before we speak to him. So if we fail to be honest with God, remember this, if we be fail to be honest with God, then we are only deceiving ourselves. Okay? Okay? If you don't be, get honest with God, you're deceiving yourself. Honesty with God is liberating. It will indeed set you, you free. Okay? The other thing that we can do to, to uh, defeat the discouragement is to be watchful. You have to know that God is with you. Know that. Often in our discouragement, we look inward to our problems. We look to our frustrations. We look at the situation when we need to look upward to God who has not abandoned us. Don't spend so much time focusing on what is going wrong in your life or what is bringing on this this, this, uh, discouragement. Don't focus on that. Focus on God, knowing that he is indeed there with you. He is with you. He, he, He accompanies us wherever we go, wherever we are, whatever we are involved in. He is a present tense God. He is a now God. He is here with us. He's with you right now, right now. He's a present tense God, okay? Can you imagine the difference it would make in our outlook on life if you remain consciously aware that God is with you? So many times we simply forget that God is with us, that God is listening in our conversations. He's watching our reaction to things that are ha- that happens in our lives. He's watching and many times waiting for us to simply turn to him and seek some guidance to seek, to seek some results. We forget that God is right there beside us at all times. Knowledge of God's presence can help us to accomplish significant things despite our discouragement. Whatever's going on, having the fact and and realizing that God's presence, that God is with us, can help us through this period of discouragement, help you defeat that discouragement that is trying to come about you, upon you, okay? Okay, it provides courage and and, and perseverance when you don't give up. That's the important thing. I don't care how discouraged you may be feeling. You know what God is wanting you to do. You keep on plugging away. You keep on plugging away, prayerfully plugging away. Don't listen to those that are around you, okay? Remember that God is there with you. Living in God's presence which is, is something we need to all strive to do. It will enable us to, to continue on without giving up. And that's what you need to keep doing, doing. You need to give up. The other thing to defeat discouragement is, is to be worshipful, to praise God with your whole heart. Praise God with your whole heart. 
Praise is the one weapon in the Christian's arsenal, the one weapon in our toolbox that Satan cannot stand against, that he has no defense against, and that's prayer. He cannot defeat prayer. And praiseful prayer is what we're talking about here, praising God. When we praise God, we acknowledge that he is in charge. We acknowledge that he can do what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants it. That's what we're acknowledging when we praise God. We're praising God and we're thanking him for, for all that he is, for all who, for all he is in our lives. We're thanking God for the very fact, as a matter of fact, that he sent his only begotten son that we may have eternal life. I mean, that alone is something that deserves, that, that, that deserves praise. Okay. Okay. He saved you. He saved you. So we need to praise God from the depths of our heart. Praise is more than just acknowledging God for good that comes our way. Praise is accepting from God all that comes our way, both the good and the bad. The word of God, the scriptures about, about it, praising God, even during the bad and the troublesome times. Because through those troublesome times, if you read the word of God and you, you have it in your heart and you understand what it's saying, through those troublesome times, you wind up building strength. Okay. And God will guide you through. You build strength. You, you, you build patience. You, you build more of an awareness of how God is working in your life. Amen. Amen. So we praise him even in times of difficulty. The praise that we offer when things don't go our way is far more precious to God than the praise that we offer him when all is well. You know, it's easy for us to praise God when everything is going well, but you praise God when things aren't going so well. Okay. It may be more of a challenge. Yeah, I'll grant you. It may be more of a challenge. And you may even say to me, well, Pastor Mike, you know, why should I praise God? You know, everything is falling apart around me. That's the time you do need to praise him. I say back to you. That's the time you do need to praise him. Okay. And that moves the hand of God. Again, it's easy to praise God when things are going well. You praise God when you're in a time of discouragement, when people are trying to discourage you and you don't see things going the way you think they should be going. You continue to praise God. Okay. Amen. Amen. Praising God does three, does three things. Praise recognizes God as our provider. Praise acknowledges God's plan that we realize that God has a plan for us. And also that praise releases the power of God. Praise releases the power of God. Psalm 23, uh, 22, uh, verse number three says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. God actually inhabits and, pre- and resides in our praise. God's power and presence is near when we praise him. Okay? God inhabits the praises of his people. That's you and that's me. So you try praising God and you watch and you feel the presence of God just surround you. He will give you instructions and give you directions how to carry you through this time of discouragement. Okay, so you can indeed defeat the discouragement. We praise God for the present situation as part of God's plan. God's power is unleashed. That's when his power is unleashed. Okay, praise God. And in conclusion, I just want to give you a a little um, a a little story, uh, if you will, a little anecdote uh, that talks about the source of discouragement. Okay, It's it's a little story here. Supposedly, the devil put tools up for sale marking each for public inspection with its appropriate sale price. Included were hatred, envy, jealousy, deceit, lying, and pride. Laid apart from these was a rather harmless-looking but well-worn tool. Well-worn tool, much-used tool, discouragement. That tool was discouragement. The devil's tool was, was discouragement. And it was marked at an extremely high price. Of all the items that the devil had for sale, this tool, one tool discouragement, had the highest price, an extremely high price. High price. Why the costly price? The devil was asked. The devil answered, because it is more useful to me than any other of the tools that you see. 
I can pry open. I can pry open a person's heart with that when I cannot get near her or him with the other tools. When I cannot get to him or her with the other tools, I can pry and open the heart of the person by using this discouragement tool. Once inside, once inside, I can make him or her do whatever I choose. It is badly worn because I use it on almost everyone since few people know it belongs to me. Since few people know it belongs to me. Okay, so devil here is saying in this little story here that that discouragement tool is a very, very valuable tool of his. It's more valuable than the other tools that he puts he tries to try to do so into our lives. Because once he uses that tool, that discouragement to get into the heart of the believer, especially, then he can work at doing whatever it is that he wants to do. Okay, because very few people, he says, know that that tool discouragement belongs to me. Okay, so when you're starting to feel discouraged, just remember that this is the devil himself there that's trying to tear you down and trying to, to prevent you from getting to where God wants you to be. Don't let him use that tool to get into your heart, to bring in further, you, you, you know, you know, uh, doubting God and further unbelief and everything else that follows along with discouragement, because discouragement will tend to make you think that what God said is not true. God doesn't love me. I'm in this all alone and everything else that the devil will then try to use once he gets into your heart. You can indeed defeat discouragement. Many people succumb to this tool of Satan. Maybe you feel its effects now. You can now rise above discouragement. Okay? You can rise above it. You can defeat it because you know what the word of God is saying. You know what God says to you, that he is indeed there. And if he says that you're going to accomplish something, you will indeed accomplish it. You may not know the methods, you may not know the time frame, but just trust God and remember to just reach out and praise him, pray to him, talk to him, let him know your heart, let him know you're worried. Separate yourself from these people that are constantly throwing discouragement at you. Pray for them, but separate yourself from them. Amen. Because it is not God's will that you should be unequally yoked, okay, with unbelievers, okay? Praise God, praise God. Hope this message was a blessing to you. And now before we close, let's uh, uh, let's pray. Thank you so much, O oh Lord God, for this time that we've had with you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We pray, O oh Lord God, that we shall remember these words and carry them with us through the rest of the day and the week, O oh Lord. And as discouragement tries to come our way, O oh Lord God, let us remember to just praise you and to listen to the sound of your voice and to guide us. Let us be able to readily separate ourselves from those that would tend to try to bring us down, that would try to, to heap discouragement on us, knowing that this discouragement comes from knowing by the devil himself, O oh Lord. Heavenly Father, we just praise you. We just magnify thy name. We thank you so much for all things, both great and small. We thank you so much in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. And now before we close, remember to, if this message has blessed you, to share it with someone else that you know. We can be reached at www.genesis1.sermon.net. Look at the top of the page there. You'll see a subscribe button. You click on that subscribe button, and you'll be automatically notified when these messages are made available. Uh, also, we're on YouTube, you know, Genesis 1 uh, Christian Ministries. Uh, we still have our apps free of charge, of course, for the Google and Apple stores <clears throat> for Android and Apple devices. And again, free of charge. Uh, download them. You can, you can record uh, these messages, either the audio-only portion or, of course, the whole video and audio uh, sermon, um, and pass it on to others as Holy Spirit so guides. Replay them when you're in the car. Replay them when you're at home and 
things are cropping up around you. There are tons of sermons on that on that website. So let the Holy Spirit prayerfully guide you to to one of the messages uh, that that may be needed by you at any particular moment. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. God is good all the time. God is good. So go forth and be blessed. And remember that Jesus is indeed Lord. And I sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to you.